Welcome to the Dog Zone 9000, the official podcast of the 100hotdog.com comedy hilarity website. I'm TV Sean Baby from the internet, and with me is my partner in hilarity, Robert Brockway. Here is another Brockway fact. A seven-foot-tall Native American <laughs> man once told me he would kill anyone I wanted. I just had to pick. No follow-up questions. No, and no follow-up questions. No follow-up Okay, that's questions. the rule. Have you cashed this in yet? Yeah, that was a very, very important one. <laughs> no follow-up questions. That's the voice. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's the voice of our very special guest, Dan Shu from EGM, and now at Blizzard. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. Very honored. Thank you, guys. And uh, Dan, you and I have been. Uh, Close friends for many, many years. You gave me one of my uh, favorite jobs I've had in the industry. It was in the early 2000s. Uh, you had me take over a column uh, in Electronic Gaming Monthly called The Rest of the Crap, where I played terrible games and uh, made fun of them. Oh, you're responsible and, uh, for that. Yeah. He's the one who those. did that. Well, Everybody loves that. those. Another one of our editors, Crispin, our mutual friend mm -hmm. Crispin, discovered you. Had you do a feature article, like 20 Worst Games Ever. And then right. I was dying as i was reading this and editing it i'm like oh my god we need to have this guy in the magazine every month so i was like crispin make that happen and we did and it's it's been awesome and but to your detriment maybe like you're so good at it you at one point i don't know if you remember this sean maybe you wanted to become a regular reviewer that's true yeah and i'm like uh, you're good at this talking about <laughs> shitty games thing do you really want to talk about real games and i was trying to discourage you but not try to Fair sound enough. like I'm discouraging you? Yeah, no, no, I got it. I, I understood completely that. Like, <laughs> no, you get you don't I had get to play area. the good games. <laughs> <laughs> and to this day, I've probably done maybe ten-ish gigs where I'm not making fun of bad video games. Like all of my journalistic uh, endeavors in the video game industry have been like making fun of bad games, and that's fine. I, I it's something I prefer because you know if it's a good game, what's funny about that? It's chosen yeah. you. You didn't choose the that's, life. That's the life true. chose you. It chose me. And we are talking about video games today. Uh, we're going to get right into our main topic. And then this is going to sound stupid and impossible. But together, we're going to find the greatest video game of all time. And I know people have tried to do this before. But as an amateur brain scientist, I have created a series of five criteria that I think have hacked the human brain to create the ultimate uh, objective... Slightly subjective uh, criticism. I think we're going to solve it. So um, I'm sorry to hack your guys' brain, but... Yeah, that really uh, sucks. Yeah, I was specifically doing that. I was using that on occasion. <laughs> uh, I will explain the theories behind my brain hacking as we get into the questions. But for now, I want to just give you the, the five prompts to let you play along at home. Now, uh, the first prompt that I gave to uh, Brock Wayne Shue is... The greatest game, the greatest, greatest game of all time. So this would be taking a game that you would expect to find as the number one spot in some um, IGN list. I think they're the only video game media left, the or whatever. But uh, yeah, whoever's whoever's so, left standing today, <laughs> they would uh, pick the number one, and you'd say, "Yep, that's an appropriate choice." Uh, you pick your favorite among those. The second prompt is the game you'd be most excited to explain to your childhood self. The third prompt. The best game you're sure no one else brought. Uh, and of course, that's whatever meta context you want to create. This day, um, it was the three of us, but other days, whatever. Uh, prompt four is 
using pure data analysis, the game you've played the most, with the caveat that you're allowed to disqualify any game that uh, hijacked your addiction center. So you could throw out like Candy Crush, for example, if you decided that that game sort of sucks, it just somehow got into your mind. Yeah, they hacked and your brain like you. They hacked you like I do. Bitch. Exactly. I learned it from Candy Crush. The fifth prompt is the best game of a wild card specific context. So you could just sort of say, hey, here's here's the qualifications. I made them up myself and here's the game. So this is a full wild card slot. And uh, those are the five prompts. Think of those. You can pause the podcast, think of them yourself and follow along as we go. So no, you're not allowed start. to pause the podcast. You have to think now. <laughs> Clock's ticking. Good, good point. Brockway makes the rules. You cannot ask about that Indian who murders for him. The Never. Very <laughs> the very first prompt, uh, the greatest greatest game of all time. And I I already know what Shu is going to pick, but I do want him to start. Did you know before you read it in email? Yes. In fact, my fiance oh. knew too. She said, oh, you're doing that one? I know what she's going to pick. And oh. I was like, yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah. The other thing about Shu is uh, he's very like... Uh, open about it stuff so like most of Shu's close friends know his favorite songs uh, <laughs> how he likes to wear his underpants uh his sex every detail of his sex life going back to high school so so you're really yep. easy to hunt like if we were going to do a <laughs> d- a dangerous game scenario yes i i would be able to just thoroughly vet you and and hunt you in an island yeah. with relative ease yeah, don't waste your free assassination on me, because okay. that, that, that's an easy one. Save that for a difficult target. Yeah, I got to bank that one. That's good to yeah. know. Yeah. My favorite video game, greatest, greatest game of all time, Super Mario Brothers 3. Mm-hmm. Easy answer. And, and I think it's a really strong choice, but what made you, uh, what made you pick that? Well, I, think, I, I love a lot of the Mario games. They're always solid. They always feel really great. I just think... The series as a whole, like everything just feels precise. Like it, the, mm-hmm. the characters move exactly how you want them to move. And it was a colorful, rich world. I, I still remember when I was a kid opening it up for the first time. I'm like, oh, my God, you can fly in this. And there are things in the sky to have to discover. And you have to explore everything. And this is before YouTube was around, right? So you're not watching playthroughs and mm-hmm. having all the secrets spoiled for you. So you, you might get a magazine, like a Nintendo Power or something like that. But... Man, I, I just like loved how it controlled. I loved how it looked. Even like subsequent games, I'm like, they look cute, but I never thought they had that same initial magic mm-hmm. of at Super Mario Brothers. You game. know what blew my mind about Super Mario Brothers, and this is going to probably age me, was that in Super Mario Brothers 1, you could adjust the momentum of Mario midair, which was like crazy innovative at the time. Like normally yeah. jumped and you just landed whatever, whatever that game said your jump was, that's how far you jumped every single time. Uh, and so... Mario, you could kind of cut your momentum. And I was like, oh, my God, this is the precision. It also sort of invented that state of permanent uh, state change. Like like Donkey Kong and Pac-Man had, like, you could turn into Super Pac-Man and eat the ghost. Or you could get the hammer in Donkey Kong. But Mario is like, you get this mushroom and you're just big until you fuck it up. And then you get a fire flower. And, like, at the time, you got to think about how, like, innovative that was. And, um, and Mario Brothers 3, like, just, like, completely changed all that again. And also, like... If you're a hardcore, like, video game design nerd, like, you can go in and, and talk about how uh, Mario 3 teaches you how to play really well and how um, just the level design sort of encourages you to do, like, what this little raccoon tail is intended for. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah. it's a great choice. And I could go on and on about the controls. Like, 
like mm. skip like how he could run and skip across narrow gaps or when he climbed yeah. to the end and you're trying to jump for the flagpole like all those little things like they're ingrained in you and about and how things move and how things control i think that really what makes the game more than the character design or the level designs like just how it feels when it's in your hands right like when you're in that shoe and you just control the fucking world <laughs> <laughs> nobody Rock can wave. stop you you can go mad with power the first time as a child you went truly mad with power uh brockway what did you pick for your uh for your greatest greatest game of all time i picked uh breath of the wild i think uh mm-hmm. i think breath of the wild for me is currently sitting and has been for a few years as just the best game i've ever played it, it delivered on every promise that uh, it didn't actually make to me like nobody made me those promises but i would sit there like a grumpy (laughs) man and just demand like well i want to be able to do anything and i don't want to go where you want to go and i I still want you to somehow know that and to like lay out a good and meaningful adventure for me as i obstinately refuse to follow your directions (laughs) and uh breath of the wild was so it really was it felt like everywhere you went there was something that was Designed for you to do exactly what you wanted to do, no matter how many times you fucked with that and fucked that up. And, uh, man, I just really liked being in that world. It's still, like, mm-hmm. as, like, a place of peace for me. When the pandemic broke, I uh, I started a replay of that just to, like, sit in a grassy field and be like, I live here. This <laughs> is the place I live now. Don't tell me different. I was always really astonished uh in that game with like the the electricity puzzles how you could sort of build little chains of weapons and the game's like yeah yeah, yeah it's total. we'll allow that like right, right. like to just, this day people are still just fucking with that because the game yeah. functions even with you not listening to it at all even with you just breaking yeah. every single part of it in every direction it still works like you can still see mm-hmm. people just like supercharging a block and backflipping out of you know those little ninja guys that drop the bananas and then it's it's just it's completely broken and like time will zip forward and demolish the guy and like right. it, it functions in this way even though you are you are breaking the controls on three different levels and it, mm-hmm. it still allows you to do that as you as you wander i can just like no i'm gonna go climb this mountain I'm like okay yeah do that and then in in so many games if you can you can do that it's open but there's there's nothing there or it's too difficult or it's it's just not as much fun like you you feel like if i had followed the road i would be having a better time and uh mm-hmm. i never felt like that in breath of the wild i felt like there was genuinely something to do everywhere however i wanted to do it and that still amazes yeah. me to this day now uh the reason i framed the question like that is because uh like we all work in media and we've seen hundreds of lists like this and sort of, we sort of know the expected criteria and the difference between safe and bold choices. And I feel like asking someone to come onto a podcast and say, Hey, what's the best game of all time? They're going to pick a quest, pick a game that's like, uh, here's how smart I am, or here's how cool I am, or here's my personality. And I wanted to just sort of lock in one safe choice. Uh, and so for my safe choice, I chose Resident Evil 4, which I probably repay, replayed 10 times on like six different systems. My favorite one. Yeah. It's so good. Uh, I love the way it controls. I love the way it, it feels like, and, and, and what I especially love about it is that there's so much about it that shouldn't fucking work at all. Like so much of the game is fussing with your inventory and it's like a long escort quest, which is just like a criminal thing to put in a game, but it's like kind of awesome. You could sort of use the little girl to distract guys. And, and, uh, anyway, I, I love I, it. I, I, there's this feeling of like, 
that Resident Evil sort of tension, both because there's like zombies jumping out, but also like you're trying to save every little precious bullet. And then there's like that feeling of safety that you can only get after you've cleared out the entire area and you're just kind of looking around for spare herbs. Like the game like makes me feel legitimate emotions, whereas like no other game even comes close. Like I'm, I get comfortable and scared and excited. And, uh, as like a, a, a jaded old cranky dude, uh, that just never happens in any other, in either game like it does there. So anyway, that's my choice. Are there lots of ways to experiment and break that game? I've Resident only played it through once. Yeah, RE4. Not really, but like once you have it memorized, like you're so much smarter than the game that like you kind of feel like you're cheating. Like you know when the guy's going to pop out and you'll just be ready with a gun and things like that. But like the uh, second I, I guess it's the same with every game, but uh, knowledge in Resident Evil is so much more valuable than say like in Dark Souls. Dark Souls, you still have to be very good and still have to deal with a little RNG, but Resident Evil, if you have it memorized going in, you're, you're super god. I remember that escort mission specifically when I realized, like, uh, it was one of the games my wife hates. Well, she's getting to horror movies, but she's not a big horror fan and especially doesn't mm. want to play a horror game, but she watches me play them because it, it takes some of the stakes out of it for her and she can have fun with it. And so we were, she watched me play through that entire game. And I remember, like, we, we got to the part where you're escorting the girl and I was just like, oh, you know what? No, I'm done. I'm not even giving it a chance. Like, I'm having a lot of fun with it. I don't yeah. want to. And then she was upset at the time. She's like, what? No, you have to finish that. You have to keep playing this. I'm like, oh, fine. A fucking escort mission. And then I, I actually had fun. I actually enjoyed yeah. an escort mission. I don't know. Has that ever happened It is since? so funny when Has they're carrying the little girl away. Since? Oh, yeah. They always suck. But in that game, like, you, you put her somewhere and you tell her to wait and the guy will grab her. And, like, it takes him so long to carry him away. You can, like, finish yeah. the gunfight and then take out that dude's legs. And he'll, like, get up and try to carry her away again. So it's like she <laughs> she keeps a dude off your back the whole time. And I love it. And you, you get a little mission out of it. Like, oh, god damn it. I <laughs> yeah. got to go. It's not just that you fail. You have to go trudge your ass over and knock the guy out and be like, come on, lady. Just. <laughs> Wasn't that uh, the game, too? Also, it was, like, su- super cool at the time that the girl would duck. When you yeah. when you put the gun her way, and you know, like at the time, that was like, oh, that's so awesome. It's it's so smart. They thought to have the kid duck out of the gun. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> had thought of that before. Uh, so I think those are three great choices. We've got Super Mario Brothers three, Breath of the Wild, Resident Evil four. Any one of those you expect to see, it's the number one spot. I, I'm glad we all picked different ones. Uh, the second prompt I gave everyone was the game you'd be most excited to explain to your childhood self, and I designed this question to. Um, sort of measure your enthusiasm for a game, but also to sort of properly credit inventiveness. Like um, what I'm trying to say is the idea that you're explaining like some kind of great concept or innovation, this question sort of steers you to uh, credit the game most responsible for it. So if you were really excited about like like uh, a loot shooter with min-max stuff, like and you played Borderlands, you'd probably credit that to Diablo. So if you went to like talk to your younger self, you might explain Diablo rather than Borderlands thus giving it credit for the thing you actually love about Borderlands, if that makes sense. I don't know that my answer is as smart as that. (laughs) It's all subliminal. It all happened and you don't even know about it. You fucking brain hacks. Uh, Snow crashing. Shoo, shoo, you're ethical to a fault, and I know you're at Blizzard, and I know you don't want to act like a spokesman for the brand, but uh, I I do think we should allow people to pick Blizzard games if they want to pick blizzard games because i think diablo and world of warcraft are two contenders for people's greatest games of all time for a lot of things 
Oh, for sure. You two are welcome to talk about Blizzard games all you want. I just... Uh, I'm not in a position to really comment on them. I don't want to get in trouble. We won't but be we, able to like, trick you into into commenting. <laughs> I was just yeah. telling a story the other day about, I don't know, we can cut this if you don't like it, but there was, um, Ubisoft was trying to muscle uh, Electronic Gaming Monthly to like run or to give a better score to Assassin's Creed. Do you want to tell this story or is that something we shouldn't, it, it some was, we shouldn't burn? It wasn't that they were muscling for a better score. It was that it felt like they were punishing us for a low score. Right. Uh, so this is the first Assassin's Creed, uh, the very original. And Crispin, aforementioned Crispin Boyer, did not like the game, right? He found mm-hmm. a lot of problems. And there was a certain embargo for when the release or when you could release your reviews. And then we noticed other outlets started releasing the reviews early and found out basically if you gave the game a really good score, like a 10 out of 10, then you could break the embargo. So they're rewarding people for positive scores, which kind of, you know, it breaks ethical boundaries and it sort of, it it could influence reviewers, right? If you Mm -hmm. knew this, maybe you think you have integrity, but if in the back of your mind, like I could get a lot more traffic if I inched it up from a nine to a 9.5 or 9.5 to a 10. And that's what happened to the internet. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> what I so love about we, we that, caused a fuss about it, and then they weren't happy, and then they pulled some advertising, and right, yeah, some, adver- but that was a huge advertising deal, if I remember. Yeah, it was back in the day, and then people told me since that, like one of the sales guys was so pissed at me because I cost him a lot of money because mm-hmm. I was, I'm like, well, we want to tell people about why our review is late and what's going on, you know, because we're journalists in the entertainment <laughs> business, but yeah, right, this is a long time ago, though. What I do love about it is that it you can actually put a price on the integrity of the other outlets. Like, like say you your article goes up three days ahead of someone else's uh, article. That, that's probably in those days like four to five hundred dollars worth of like ad revenue. So you could actually say like, here's what it costs for me to throw away my integrity as a video game reviewer, whatever that's worth. But you now know it's worth four or five hundred bucks. So that's uh. Yeah, a I mean, dark thing to know about yourself it's not even that black and white because you're right you could quantify it like that but the thing is no one could legitimately say like, yes of course you well you didn't honest you meant to give it a 10 right it's just yeah the whole just, idea about this like bias in journalism and ethics is just you need to keep it out so that there's zero influence right you know what i like best about that story is that uh the the weakness the hidden weak point that nobody thought they would ever find was you guys just telling people what's going on. Never occurred to anybody that that would happen. You come out and be like, hey, here's what's happening. What? He blew up everything. How dare he? That's the real NFL. We didn't account for this. (laughs) So that's a story. uh, I think I was even telling that a couple weeks ago just because I describe you as a person with a lot of, of ethics. And I, I hated how like Gamergate turned ethics and journalism into this, this like yeah, I can't even hear coded it. language for sexism. But uh, so anyway, that's that's the uh, the criteria uh, explained. And uh, so, Shu, what did you pick for the game you'd be most excited to explain to your childhood self? So this, even as I wrote this, I'm like, yeah, this is a really dumb pick. <laughs> so I, I picked Clash Royale uh, oh. because. What would fascinate me as a kid, I think, if you'd explain this to me, is like, we're playing a real-time strategy game, right? You don't credit this game to as an uh, inventor or sure. the, you know of real-time strategy, but you're playing this on a smartphone. So I, I think I was more excited about the platform mm-hmm. on which it's played and tr- trying to explain that to a kid. Like, 
I'm what? There's portable phones and it's just a screen and I'm playing a right. game in real time with somebody all live. And I love the game. I'm like super addicted. I've been playing it for, I'm a little bit late to it, but playing maybe about a year and a half or so, but it's a daily thing for me. And it's just, there's so much intricate strategy to it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, but I just think it's just awesome that you could play on a handheld device remotely like that in real time, whenever you want. Like anytime I pick it up, I have someone to play with around the world. Mm-hmm. And, you and again, like no one would ever put Clash Royale on a best games list, but with that criteria as like, an example of, of, you know, how connected the world is through video games and how, like, simple it is to have a gigantic video game experience just, like, instantly and uh, anytime. It's, I, I, th- I think it's a good example of that. Yeah. I mean, more than a PC game or a console game. Like, in mm-hmm. if I'm, like, right now I feel like playing Clash Royale, like, in less than a minute I'll be in the game playing real time with somebody. So it's insane. Yeah, you forget uh, uh, you forget how far we've come until like the concept of explaining a phone to your younger self, a smartphone to your younger <laughs> self would just I wouldn't even know where to start believing you. Like uh, <laughs> it doesn't I feel like God, that much uh, has changed, but man, that you just wouldn't even I wouldn't even have I wouldn't even know. I'm where so to country. Begin. We had an actual phone hooked up in my house. I might even mention this in the podcast with like the old timey crank. So if you had a call like four oh six eight, you would. Crank it four times, pause, crank it zero times, pause. And like that was a real fucking thing that existed in my house and I could call people on it. You don't mean that little rotary dial? Yes, yes. The, it's oh. a little crank. And that's how you made calls with those things. <laughs> Back in the day, yes. you kids. We did have... <laughs> this was uh, old when I was a kid. I'm, I'm whatever. We used to I'm roll our windows down manually. <laughs> like with your hand. <laughs> with your hand? Was there an operator on the other side, like just plugging wires in and out of this dashboard, <laughs> connecting you to just for you? You're the thing. last one that has it. <laughs> right. Every time he comes a, in, uh, what's up, Sean? <laughs> we had a wizard also, and he would send uh, messages telepathically to the Native American who would send smoke signals to a coyote wrangler <laughs> in the city who spoke the smoke signals. Anyway, that's how we communicated where I was from. Uh, Brockway, what'd you pick for the game you'd be most excited to explain to your childhood self? I, I picked something with a with a caveat. Uh, I picked No Man's Sky, but I don't like No Man's <laughs> Sky. Uh, <laughs> so okay. I, it's going to take a little explaining. Uh, I never liked No Man's Sky. I don't like the crafting thing at all, like in any game especially. And I don't like the survival. So like the core mechanics of it, it doesn't do anything for me. I think it looks neat. I, I like the concept of it and what it's trying to do. But uh, I think, man, part of why I'm not into that stuff is, like, as, as a kid, I would have been so into that stuff. Like, everything is everything is just complicated Legos. Yes, please. And uh, <laughs> So you'd be explaining to your childhood self, basically, you will lose this magic inside you that, that allows you to find joy in this type of well, thing. Well, I, I think I would save that for the end. I would explain to okay. him, like... Like okay, you, you know, know how you know how nuts you go for star control and like escape velocity and how you just sit there looking at an image of a planet and wishing like you could go down there and see it and it's like sparking everything in your imagination and you're like I want to live in this world. Oh, God, someday if, what if other people could be there too and like that would be your your fever dream. It will never happen and I could come in and say it will happen and it'll look even better than you could possibly imagine and it'll be a nearly infinite universe and everybody's exploring it and you can see what they explore and you can name things and and like little Brockway would be 
would be weeping with the beauty of it, and then I would be like, and you hate it. <laughs> Everyone not, it's hates not for it. you. It sucks. <laughs> I do have friends who play it now that say that it, it's much, much better than it was at launch, which was like class action lawsuit bad. Like people were really upset at how much it sucked. Right. I would also have to explain that to him then too. Like, yeah, they can just put it out and like lie about it and it can be terrible. And then yeah. you'll have to, you'll write it off and like years later, you'll try to get back into it. But like the magic isn't there for you. I'd have to explain on we to myself, <laughs> but I would be so excited to do that, to see like the light go up in his eyes. And then, yeah. I mean, yeah. and then I'd snuff it Watch because it I'm fade. sick in a lot of ways, but, but that, yeah, that's my choice. It's a, a strange choice. Um, I picked, uh, I was allowed, uh, I allowed everyone to pick two games and this is the one I picked two. I picked Metal Gear Solid five which I've played through completely twice. I love that game. That game, you can fucking do anything. And also, I'd love to explain to my uh, childhood self how um, the person who made it is also a complete deranged maniac and nothing <laughs> about the story ever made sense, ever. Uh, but uh, the gameplay is sweet, and you can do and whatever your, you want. Would um, your childhood self have played Metal Gear at that point? Like, I um, yeah, I did play a little Metal Gear, and I don't think I liked it. I've never liked stealth. Right, so games. you would have to start um, from that and be like, "Here's yes. here's where Metal Gear goes." Right, <laughs> stay with yeah, me. He, he it gets weird, kid. <laughs> and um, my second choice is Lord of the Rings: Shadow of Mordor. I think that's a game that you can do so much in the combat in that game that I like forget forty percent of it. Uh, you can mind control like hundreds of orcs. There's very famously that. Um, that thing where you can piss off an orc and then he'll like hate you forever oh, or I love the kill nemesis you and then he'll system. The get, nemesis. Yeah. The nemesis so system rules. And shoot, if you don't mind, I do, I didn't pick this just because you're here, but I do have a story of a time I roasted shoe using shadows of Mordor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> this was, <laughs> this was back when the game first came out and uh, I don't think anyone else on my friends list was playing it. And it, you might know that if someone uh, gets killed in their game, it'll send like a revenge quest over to their friends list. So I got a thing that said, um, <laughs> avenge the death of EGM Shu by killing Horza Brain Damaged. And I was like, oh, this, this <laughs> that dumb was your nemesis shoe. name. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so I was like, this is so cool. Because immediately I'm like, this is an amazing like feature. So I did this quest to avenge Shu's death. And then I got another one that says, avenge the death of EGM Shu by killing Luga the Bleeder. And I did. And then I got Nakra the Stinger. I'm like, okay, shoot. What the fuck? <laughs> and he was the only one on my All friends I'm list All I'm doing is avenging you. Come on, man. Then Lil Dash yeah, the made, Hunter. You made like a comic. Like I a, made a 10-panel comic. Yes. comic, yeah. <laughs> but I think it was a lot of the same something the week or something really yes yes i sounding. i wrote down all the names uh because <laughs> there is like a story that got told by the name so all these are just normal orc names and so i'm like exhausted that's the only thing i'm doing all day is just avenging shoes many many deaths <laughs> and then the next one was ukram the pain lover and i'm like oh this guy's oh, man. probably disappointed because he just ran over shoe it's just getting and, to be and the next seven. one you gotta go you gotta go punish was, him Right. Next one was Mosfell the man eater, and I'm like, oh no, he ate him. <laughs> the next guy, Zathra the devourer. I'm like, god damn it, the second ate guy him ate him. And then I, sw I swear to God, Zathra the raven. Like the guy ate Shu so much <laughs> that he changed his name from the devourer to the raven. He was just full. He ate so much Shu, he had to change his whole like 
reason oh, for living. I'm not, I'm not even into vor anymore. I was I was a weird <laughs> time in my life, but I'm I'm off of it. And so by this point, I'm like taking screenshots with my phone. I'm having the best time. I already know I'm going to put together this this comic and send it to everyone we know. I sent this to like 35 people, and uh, everyone was agreed. Like this is the most effort I've ever seen go into roasting anyone. And <laughs> while I'm while I'm making it, I find the last one. It, his name was Gom the Week. And I'm just like, oh, oh, shoot. <laughs> Oh, oh so God, that's such a good so system uh, because it enables a, that's my favorite thing when they enable stories like that for you to tell like about the game and, and your time in the game yeah I, I had the same thing with the nemesis system i had one guy that i kept like killing him and then there would be a guy with some part of his name it'd either be the first name with a different title or the the, the first name with a or a different first name with the same title and it just he kept coming back in in different ways and i i could not fucking kill him in a way that he would stay dead, and the, the name slowly started getting more, like you said, more and more insulting until it was like, yeah, Blasnor, the huge pussy, and I'm like, god damn it, he's fucking murdering me. I can't, like, this can't happen. Yeah, what a what a perfect game. The story is actually pretty good. Uh, I don't know, if, and I guess it's it's just Assassin's Creed, but set in Lord of the Rings, but with way more shit you can do. I love it. Yeah, that's this. I don't know. This is, I don't want to get off on tangents, uh, but have you, have you played uh, Burnout Paradise? Yeah. Yeah. Because that, that had that awesome system where every street had, in the whole city, it's open world racing game, right? Mm -hmm. But every street had its own sort of mini record for whoever can race down corner yeah. to the corner. And then you would see your friends list. So then it's always like, you would drive down U Street and like, I think it did something like, oh, Sean Baby has the record here. And you're like, well, okay, I'm going to stop whatever I'm Not doing. Not for long, right, try fucker. To beat this record. <laughs> and all you're doing is just like racing down one street as fast as you can. And every street had this. And that wasn't even the main part of the game. Mm -hmm. But that was but super awesome compelling. System. There was another game that did this, uh, Fable 3, which wasn't a very good game. And you can tell because uh, I had so many uh, people on my friends list that played that game. And I was constantly breaking the records. It's like... I farted a second time. It's like, you just beat 11 records. I'm like, oh my God, everyone quit this game before they even farted a second time. I kept so playing them though. See. I kept playing them because I, I don't know why I believe that guy. I don't know why everybody, why did we believe that guy? Why did that dude have such credibility that we were like, yeah, this, this Peter, sounds legit. Peter Mullen, yeah. I, I don't know. We just kept believing him like as a, as a culture, as a nation. <laughs> we were just like, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah sure this time thing. will be good. For yeah. like, and I mean, we don't anymore, and that's the joke, but for like 10 years, we were like, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, well, like, well, if you do anything, you'll grow up from a little baby, you'll plant the acorn and come back to see it, and like, none of it was there. We're like, oh, he must be saving it for the next game. That guy, right. he wouldn't do this. See, I um, empathize with him because I uh, write a lot of design docs. Uh, that's basically what I did for a few years was I would start a video game with crazy ambitions and then we'd sort of agree like, Ah, we're not going to finish this one. Let's start a simpler one. And then that would grow into this just crazy ambitious game. And then we're like, no, this is too complicated. So uh, I appreciate that he just puts it all out there in public. Whereas me, it was just a very small team where we just made fun of my, um, you know, ambitious failings. Yeah, he wasn't, rather than the whole world making fun of my ambitious failings. Yeah, he wasn't afraid to fail publicly hard and often. Yes. Yes. So our third prompt is the best game you're sure no one else has in their list. And this was designed to uh, force a bold choice and hopefully get all of your bold choices dumped into this one answer. Uh, so this would 
take as much subjective personal preference and concentrate it here. So, man, I think I shoot, fucked up you... this one too. <laughs> I can't hack your brain, Brockway. Yeah, these brain hacks. Didn't I? I wish I was getting all the implication of these brain <laughs> hacks. So, Shu, did I hack your brain? Did you uh, put all of your bold subjective personal preference choices into this one? Well, as we're talking. I'm like, oh, I should have put Splinter Cell somewhere on this list. Mm. Uh, Splinter Cell Pandora tomorrow, the multiplayer stuff specifically. Yeah, I remember but, you really liking that. Uh, that was the good, like, here. non-linear stuff where, like, the spy was totally different from the commandos and or the operatives. Fuck it, I'm going to change it. I'm, okay. Can I do that? Fuck yeah. I'm changing it to Splinter, no rules. Splinter Cell. Because I get... So originally I said Uncharted 4 because I'm like, mm-hmm. no one else would have this on the list because normal people would pick Uncharted 2 right. as their favorite. <laughs> uh, but that's not as fun to talk about. Splinter Cell, <laughs> Pandora Tomorrow, and uh, the sequel Chaos Theory. And they've, there's been Splinter Cell since, but I think those two are the best. The multiplayer is some of the most innovative, awesome shit I've ever seen. And it, it was kind of too hardcore and no one's really done it since. But it was amazing because it's like, two mercenaries that are playing in like first person shooter mode they have guns they have flashlights they're looking wandering around these levels they're trying to protect these areas from these spies hacking in and two other players are playing as spies they're super stealthy they're underpowered but they have all these other devices like smoke bombs mm-hmm. and things like that and it was just so cool it's just like intense like if you're a mercenary you feel really powerful i got grenade launchers i got this machine gun but you have a limited view and you're just like you're not sure where everyone's hiding in these mm-hmm. dark levels when you're the spy, you're scared because I don't have a lethal weapon, but I could jump on someone from behind. I could hide in the darkness. But this other guy has night vision and things like that that he has to flip on to catch me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have other things. And it's like everything has a counter on the other side. Right. And you're just like constantly in real time trying to figure out like, all right, how do I, what do I do to escape? Or what do I do to kind of choke this guy out from behind? But the the coolest thing ever was... Uh, like how they use the Xbox Live or uh, like audio, right? So if I like planted a bug, let's say I'm a spy and I shot a little bug device onto you as a mercenary player, I could actually listen into your Xbox Live conversation with your teammate oh, and shit. you don't know it. I didn't even know about that. It was so awesome. So I would like, like you're, you're wandering around as spies and then like I bug you and I could hear you and Brockway talking and planning about all right, I'm going to move to this part of the map and then I'll communicate that back to my teammate and use that information <laughs> about your actual Xbox Live communications. But such a, such a great game. I could talk about it forever. I mean, in theory, this really what, what, you, what you do is pick up a lot of racism and a lot of... <laughs> 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 well, the thing is, because you're playing... It's The first one was 2v2, so you're usually playing with friends, right? Mm-hmm. You're, it's like very seldom you're going to play... Like easily to find... Easy for you to find three other people to play with, so... But, um, but not easy, to, not hard to find two racists that are friends. Right, then you discover which of your friends are racist. That was such a good game. You're all that. like, that Chinese shoe motherfucking guy can't hear this. <laughs> can you imagine yes! if that idiot could hear this? <laughs> Brockway, what did you pick for yours? Man, you know what? I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch oh, my answer. Crazy. Last minute. I'm inspired. I'm inspired by shoe. Uh, I picked uh, Saiken Densetsu 3, the the third Trials of, of, of Trials Mana. Of Mana? Right. Yeah, which back in the day was, was amazing to me. I'm going to switch it, and I'm going to pick something more in line with your brain hacks, which is Return Fire for the 3DO, 
Whoa. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Old. I did not have that on my list. You're right. Fucking deep cut. <laughs> we were talking about it in the Discord because it got we got onto the subject of just what a ridiculous system the 3DO was. And like, nobody had that. I had that. <laughs> my, my dad, he, uh, <laughs> we, we got some sort of inheritance from a great aunt and he just kind of burned through it. Like, I guess it was, wasn't enough money to like set up a savings, but it was enough money to burn through. And he, it's 3DO money. Yeah, and he came back with a 3DO for me, and I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> like, really into video games, really excited about having a new video games, but, like, it had never even occurred to me to get a 3DO. Like, no, right. this isn't a thing. It's like, here, I got you a uh, Neo Geo. Like, I, I wasn't even on my radar, but, I mean, I thank you. I'll get into it. And, uh, God, that, that thing had such goofy games, but Return Fire was, was the... Just did did anybody play that on anything? Does anybody have any idea what I'm talking no, about? I'm not even familiar with it. Yeah, same. Yeah, it was this multiplayer war game with like pre-made base building. And, and so you'd enter onto these vast maps with these, you know, uh pre-made military bases with walls and, and roads and turrets and like full defense systems already laid out for you and you had a hangar full of vehicles so you had like a helicopter and an armored personnel carrier that could lay mines and you had a tank and then you had a jeep that was really fast and like but couldn't really shoot anything else and uh you had a limited number of each to like deploy against each other and the thing was the jeep which would die in one hit from anything and had no way to defend itself was the only thing that could grab the flag from the enemy base and you had to get it all the way back to your bunker. So it all right. It led to these mashups so where it's like, an RTS? Uh no, it, it's like you were just, it's like a vehicle combat game. You were in control of the vehicles. Okay. And uh and you did get to I think there was some way to like pick where the turrets are and stuff, but mostly you're hunting the guy through these maps in, you know, in a tank and he's He's got a helicopter, and so it's you know rock paper scissors. Who's gonna who's gonna win there? And so it always came down to somebody like saving like their helicopter, and you trying to hunt this this little jeep through the ruins of these military bases that you have mostly blown up with each other's tanks at this point. And it was such a like exciting and spiteful time. It was the first time I saw like that. <laughs> I, it was inspired by shoes pick of the what do they call it? A- asynchronous multiplayer? Mm-hmm. Is that the term? No, uh, asymmetrical. asymmetrical. Asymmetrical multi. That was the first time I had ever seen that. <clears throat> and it, it would just, it blew me up. It worked so well. I, we had so much fun and like destroyed and made so many friendships with, with that where you're just zooming along in your little Jeep and you want everything to work out so hard and you've spent, it took so long was the thing. It, it would be like an hour yeah. and a half just dismantling this guy's base so you could get in there with your Jeep and then you're almost there and he destroys you with your helicopter and you throw the controller at the wall and it, and it costs like $250 and nobody even knows what you're talking about when you try to buy them. <laughs> right. <laughs> that was great. That's how they get you. Uh, I'm going to keep my answer the same. I actually had Terraria as my answer, uh, but I decided mm-hmm. to change it to Dragon Quest Builders, which is sort of the same thing. Uh, and I'm sort of a systems design nerd. And so some, I, I do actually really like crafting, but something like Dragon Quest Builders that added like this, this narrative and it added a, a, like an axe structure to sort of break it up. So you build a bunch of stuff and then like says, okay, now go to a different thing. And like, you have to start over and build new stuff, but in a way that is interesting. 
Um, there's also pretty good arcade action, whereas Terraria is sort of a, sort of a wreck when it comes to actual, like, you know, video game gameplay. Uh, anyway, it, it's also kind of underrated. Like, uh, I think it got good scores, but I don't think anyone played it. But Dragon Quest Builders 2, it, it's just kind of all of the culmination of, of Minecraft and crafting technology into it. A legitimate, good RPG video game. Uh, anyway, I recommend it to everybody if you haven't played it. I don't have anything funny to say. It's just really good, and I like it. And I don't think anyone else would have put that on a list. So it's like it's like Minecraft building, but also with an actual yes. RPG game in it? Yes. And it's, it's yeah, <clears throat> it's, it sort of plays like, um, it feels a lot like the Super Nintendo Zelda. Uh, just oh, the sort shit. of your sweeping sword strikes. It, it's got a real nice arcade feel. Uh, that first sentence is it, how you sell me on anything. Yeah, no, I mean, you try, it feels good to play, but also you can just kind of build anything. And, uh, and so it's a really unfair game. It's weighted heavily in your favor because, you know, you could dig a pit and drop monsters in there or, you know, it, the point is it's, it's good, I guess. Uh, but Dragon Quest Builders 2, it's also very epic. Like there's one level where you, it takes place in a prison and they really play with the conventions of the game itself to fuck with you. Like they'll say, Oh, hey, you know how to garden. Why don't you garden for me, prisoner? And so you do it and you're like, okay, cool. I must be building something inside this prison. And then they kill all your crops and then they send you back to prison and they do like a groundhog day thing where you have to keep doing the same day over and over. And I should hate it, but I'm also like, this is so good the way they're like telling the story using the gameplay. And then at the end, you build a spaceship to like kill God. Like that's the fucking scale they ramp up to. What? We go, uh, we go full anime? (laughs) Yes, it goes, it goes full anime. Oh shit. All right. Well, if it goes full anime, that's my favorite thing is, is building a spaceship to kill God. <laughs> no joke. Well, Should I play one or skip? Go straight to two. You can skip straight to two. There's no reason to play one. It just has all, all basically all the same mechanics and then a few extra little things. Yeah, if they if they had told me at the start of like any of those survival games, if they had told me at the start of like No Man's Sky, the point is to get enough resources to build a spaceship to go kill God, I would still <laughs> be playing that game. It it would not be yeah. my my kind of half joke answer here. What is the game you played most? Now um, we all led a life before the internet. So we know the value of um, information and what it's like to live in a world without it. And so um, as the internet ages and our knowledge grows, we're starting to learn uh, how important raw numbers are. Like if you have a huge amount of data, it lets us prove extremely subjective things that people are motivated to lie about, like uh, do diets work or uh, are Republicans racist? Like we can prove yes or no based on just how often they do. Like if 1% of diets work, we can say, nope, diets don't work. Even though someone in 1985 might have said, no, my friend did this diet and it worked. You're like, oh, well, that's all the data I have. (laughs) Anyway, that's my point. Sean, baby, you're living in a fantasy world. Facts don't mean shit to (laughs) anybody. I 100% agree that to half the people alive, and again, we can get the numbers on this, they don't. (laughs) And you can show but them those numbers and they to, won't care about them. <laughs> to smart, like, non-QAnon people, like, you can look at numbers and choose to lie to yourself or not, but you know in your heart that this is what the truth is. Uh, so that was ba- the, the basis of it was just to say, like, just take all subjectiveness out of it. What's the game you played the most? With the caveat, of course, that you can disqualify a game if you hate it for making you play it. So, Shu, what did what was your choice of uh, game you played the most? This was tough because I'm like, do I look at it from a single player perspective? And I think that would be Skyrim. Mm-hmm. 
but then I'm like, no, it's got to be some multiplayer game. And originally I was going to say Call of Duty, mm-hmm. but then that's like a probably more in aggregate of this series as a whole. So if I had to pick a single game, I think it would probably be Fantasy Star Online. Okay. Because um, I remember playing like to an insane level on Dreamcast, starting over with another character, doing it again. <laughs> then when it came out for uh, Xbox, I started over and played again. And then on GameCube, I started over and played again. Wow. Uh, it was just addicted each time. And I, looking back, I'm like, I don't know why, because there wasn't that much variety. It's like the same worlds that you do over and over. Mm-hmm. And you're just grinding. But right. uh, I put a lot of hours into that. But you don't mind it, uh, the grinding. Like you didn't consider no, that. No, I... I yeah, hijacking it, it's your addiction kind of, center. Yeah, same as like, well, maybe it did, and I just don't realize it. Uh, yeah, but I mean, yeah, it it's always like, like does. loot before. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, I remember like when I was I used to work at a website called Gamers.com, and then the company went under, and we we're all out jobless for a few months. And before I uh, went back to EGM, I was like three months uh, without a job. I was just like. Almost every day of that was just spent playing Fantasy mm-hmm. Star Online, like in my underwear, like unwashed, and just, <laughs> and that, just enjoying it. I do love just when I'm super addicted to a game and I wake up and I'm like, oh, fuck yeah, World of Warcraft day. Like that's, <laughs> I, I, I really appreciate that. So I, I get it. So Fantasy Star Online, uh, Brockway, what did you pick for your game you played the most? Well, this, this was tricky. Uh, I think... Like over time, over like the amount of years that I've stuck with something, it's got to be Destiny slash mm-hmm. Destiny Two. I mean, again, that's like a franchise. That's sure. That's something I've been with almost from the start, and I'm still playing it, even if it's only once or twice a week with my dad. Uh, mm-hmm. We're in an, an an adorable fire team, and we are very bad <laughs> at it. Uh, but I'm stuck with it for definitely the longest, especially of these kinds of games, which tend to be kind of flash in the pan for me. Like I get really into them and I get all about them. And then I'm like, I hit the wall where it's like, right. you can see the evil shining through. Like you can see where a behavioral right. psychologist has started to, to engineer yes. this. Like I felt that way with Genshin Impact. I had so much fun until I saw the first time where they're like, oh, this is what you want me to do. No, thank you. <laughs> see, Destiny... Uh- my fiance and I were fully addicted to that game for a very long time. And uh, I knew we were addicted because uh, as much as we loved the game and the gameplay so smooth, we also hated so much of it. And yeah, like, I'd go that. online to say, like, how do I get more emblems for this thing? And it was very clear from the online discourse that everyone hated it. That, <laughs> that it was one of the most reviled games ever from people that played it the most. And they're like, how do I, you know. Fuck yeah. this emblem system. I spent 36 hours yesterday farming this cave. And you're like, wait, what did you just say? <laughs> like, <laughs> and you, and you, you got, and you got nothing from it? Yeah. Bas- basically nothing. Yeah. There's right? like, cause there was a the day, wall. Uh, and- you, many people might remember this. There, in Destiny, there was this cave that if everyone was at a good distance, the monsters basically spawned constantly. And so people would just get together in groups and throw fire into this cave and just murder the shit out of unlimited enemies. And then every five or six minutes, run in, grab all the goods, come back and reset it. And people spent hours there just doing this 100% mundane task. And uh, that is a fucking hijacked brain. That is not people doing something for the love of the <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, there is absolutely that, that wall where you see through to the evil. And luckily, I've yes. been fortunate to not like fall into that too much. There's certainly mm-hmm. been points where like it got me for a while and it took me like a week to be like, wait a minute, I hate what I'm doing. Especially right. when a quest like to get a cool gun is like go play 
fucking Gambit. And I'm like, oh, I hate Gambit, but I really want this gun. And so yep. I'd be there for like, <laughs> I'd be trying it, like get up and get on my exercise bike and be like, oh, I guess I got to put my time in. And then wait, wait, yeah. wait, I've been tricked. I've been duped. I got the brain slug. I got to get out of this. <laughs> and and so I, I would give it up and come back to it when I'm not having fun. And that's, that's probably even discounting the hours I've put in for like addictive treachery. Uh, mm-hmm. I definitely stuck with that most but pure hours uh pure hours i probably put the most into a game called arctic mud which was <laughs> i've never even heard of that which was is um, that a game you invented in your yard <laughs> yeah that's a game we all go out in the mud and you just fight you just fight until you're the last one left standing sounds, it sounds awesome no this is god this is way back in the day this was like early early internet it was a it was an it was like you know fantasy star online or whatever it's like like uh-huh. world of warcraft or or any of those games uh but it was all text-based it was a, call it mud was a multi-user mud, dungeon yeah, yeah. and so it was in the early days where i thought that was fucking amazing that i would roll up a character and i'd name them and i'd pick their skills and i'd level them up and you'd sure. go get an epic fights and get your new weapons and equip yourself and that game fucking had everything it had pvp too and it had like a justice system where cops would hunt you down like AI cops would hunt you down. And this was like like 93 at the time. Mm. And the only problem was that it was all just text. I mean, it was all online. It was all connected to real people that were all... Was there like ASCII maps and stuff? Yeah. I mean, there was there was all... They did all of that stuff. It was really well put together mm. for what it was. But it was just... It was like Zork. It was like a text adventure game. But everybody right. was online and playing it. And in 1993, that, <clears throat> that blew my mind. Yeah, and I probably put, put hundreds of hours into it. I think uh, I could probably match those numbers with uh, World of Warcraft. Like, I definitely, uh, that's without question the game I played the most, but I also want to disqualify it because uh, so much of it was super obnoxious. Like, they would have, um, there's this achievement called The Insane, and I was like, oh, it's an achievement, I gotta get it. And it required, like, pickpocketing, like, thousands upon thousands of dudes, like, through this, like, really low-level dungeon. And I remember, like, doing a quick run and, and like doing the math and saying, Oh no, that's like 140 hours of that. What the fuck? <laughs> and then I was thinking like, wait a second. I haven't watched the wire. I could just pull up the wire on my second monitor and just fucking. So that's what I did. I like anytime I had a show to watch, I'm like, Oh sweet. I can start working on that world of Warcraft achievement. You have seen and through like, the veil. Yeah. Absolutely. Somewhere but, like a behavioral uh, psychologist is like, damn it. We need to, <laughs> we need to ease them into it too slow. We lost one. You can, but I, you can feel uh, you slipping away. I did really like that game. Uh, I think I knew I was playing too much when I swear to God, it's a real story where I was at a party and someone uh, asked me if I played World of Warcraft and I said yes. And they asked like my character name and all that. And they knew my character's name. Like they, they didn't know me, Sean Baby, as the writer, but they knew Thunder Mixer the Rogue from the legends of his murders. And I was like, okay, that's fucking way too much Warcraft. Now, wait, wait. Did they know because they had like played with you or seen you around because of like they region like matching or because a, people were telling stories about you? Were you like the server legend? I, I switched servers to uh, play with my friend's guild and played with them for a few months. And I guess they were telling everybody else about this dude that they got. And that's how he knew me. So, um, yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, it, it was it was a bit much, uh, but I mean I was in a way proud of it, but it's also so embarrassing, like some panty drying shit there, <laughs> and so that happened. But I think if I'm going to talk about games, speaking of panty drying, 
that I played uh, just for the joy of video gaming without any kind of grinding mechanics. It was uh, XCOM Enemy Unknown from 1994. Uh, when I was in college, I played that game fucking every chance I got. I'd um, call my friends up and talk about shit that I did in XCOM while they talked about shit they did in XCOM. <laughs> it was the best. I think, and also and panties like, everywhere were wet. Panties, they were so wet, so wet. Uh, I feel like every single video game developer has kind of tried to recreate XCOM, and no one has ever been able to do it. Like something about it was purely magic. And even when they made the XCOM sequel, they just like threw it underwater, and there's like, okay, did we did we do a sequel? And everyone hated it. Every time they tried to improve on XCOM, they fucking blew it. The the only reason the new iteration of it is. Uh, popular is because they changed so much of it it's a totally different game but anyway that's my choice except for XCOM, i feel like we all did pick games that had addictive tre- treachery in it <laughs> that's the treachery that's how deep the treachery one runs <laughs> just like i don't hate destiny or world of warcraft for like hijacking my brain but uh I, I i don't think they deserve the credit for for creating such pure video game bliss like XCOM does yeah that's fair our final question the final prompt was the best game of a wildcard specific context. And this was the relief valve for bold subjective choices. Basically to find a game you wanted to talk about, but maybe wasn't good enough to have associated best game of all time. But with a little context, uh, you could theoretically make a case. So, Shu, what is the game and the context that you picked for this one? My favorite game, so I could put this under two different categories. One is my favorite Commodore 64 game. Racing Destruction set. Nope. Uh, oh, that was awesome. It was fucking awesome. Uh, <laughs> oh, or the game I most, my favorite game that I desperately want somebody to remake or modernize is Auto Duel. Oh, that's not and, too far off from the guess. Yeah, yeah. It, so this is, uh, I don't know if people remember, like, back in the day, there used to, or this still exists, but there's a game called Car Wars, like mm-hmm. a tabletop game, where you're, it's kind of like a Mad Max sort of world where you're building cars, uh, you're putting weapons on them and armor and spikes. It's and pretty sweet. You're just, like, trying to kill each other, right, or destroy the other cars. And there's a video game, but it's an RPG, and so it wasn't just, like, a, a Twisted Metal or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's an actual RPG. So you're a character. You start in a city. Maybe you enter these local tournaments to try to make some money. And then you're, when you're in a tournament, you're actually driving a car and shooting other things. And then you, you get out. You salvage some stuff from their car. You could then uh, save up to start buying your own car. And you're like, do I want armored tires? Do I want a uh-huh. van? Yeah, I want so that. Like really load it up? Or do I want a small van. car that's really nimble and fast? Or I want lasers and uh-huh. fire f- flamethrowers? And then you can start to go to other cities. Like you actually either take a bus to like Atlantic City or you can actually <laughs> drive. But driving is really dangerous because it's complete wildlands out there. And there's no leveling like, oh, you're only an early level guy. Uh, we're not going to put it tough enemies. You could encounter someone that's like way out of your league and you get destroyed and you have to start a But not on again. a bus. The bus, there's like, everyone's a gentleman's like rule never to blow up fully the equi- It's the battle <laughs> yeah. bus. It's the boss <laughs> yeah. of the game. You gotta go back and try to take yeah, down the bus. Yeah, so awesome. You go to other cities and you enter other tournaments or you could go to like Atlantic City every make a gamble and you could take on these other quests like to deliver stuff. And then slowly you're just throughout the game you're making more and more money. But it was brutal because it, if you died, you died. You, the only way to back yourself up is if you cloned yourself in the game, like an in-game thing, and that was really expensive. But the game was smart enough to... I didn't know how to do this as a kid. Like 
you couldn't go back to your last save or make a copy of your floppy disk to save like okay. it knew how to do all the workarounds. So like if you died in the game, you legit died. You died in real life. Game over. <laughs> <laughs> You're never playing that game again. Damn. But, that sounds awesome. Yeah, I, I want someone to make a real one. Yeah, it was so cool. Yeah, just because they put it in an R- RPG setting. And that was all on Commodore 64. That's what I played it on. Yeah. I don't know if this. And, and the game I mentioned, Racing Destruction Set, was, was sort of played like uh, Ivan Iron Man's like rate, rate, whatever that game is, or RC Pro Am, that kind of a that kind of a game. And mm-hmm. uh, you could build your own racetracks. You could plant landmines on them. You could change the gravity. It was super customizable, uh, and it's kind of a weirdly criminally uh, unremade game. Like we should have a new version of that every couple years, and it's just like never been seen again. Yeah, I remember that one. But uh, Brockway. What is your specific context and the game you chose? Uh, I chose Skyrim, and my specific context is the best game that tricked my dad into playing video games. Uh, <laughs> and that, that he didn't play games before that? No. In fact, he just... I wouldn't say he hated them, because like, he, he would buy me consoles and like games for my birthday and stuff, even though we did not historically have a lot of money. So he was great, and he understood that I liked him and he would get them for me. But he would like just constantly disrespect them. He just did not understand it at all. <laughs> and my favorite thing is I remember him, I was obsessed with Fallout 2 for a long time. And I, I remember him like walking by me on a nice day as I hunched over the computer and he'd be like, I, I will never get what you see in these things. It's just like little shapes on a screen. And I was like, ah, dad, <laughs> dad. You'll never understand me, dad. You don't get it, dad. <laughs> but anyway, like. Uh, and he's like, hey, what's with this noisy fellas and those dragons? right like cut to years later he's he bought uh on his own like i didn't push him into it he bought uh playstation 3 because he wanted to play forza i think was the racing game so Uh he only and he only played racing games he made a little setup of like the pedal and the wheel and it was it was adorable that is really cute he would but he would only play racing games and he just he didn't have time for anything else and then i wrote that column about skyrim for cracked and he read it Mm -hmm. and was like that sounds amazing and he went and played Skyrim, and it completely hooked him. Like, this this is much later, you know, fa- fast-forwarding past the, the PS3. That was just, just for racing <laughs> games. So it completely hooks him. He gets desperately into it. And then I told him, well, if you like that, check out Fallout. And he did, and he got totally lost in Fallout. He's played Fallout more than me at this point, just by hours. Now I get to be like, you remember? Do you remember when you said the thing? <laughs> you son Justice. of a bitch, it's been... 30 years that I've held on to this. But but yeah, now now my dad is like plays Destiny with me, which is objectively maybe the dorkiest game. Like if I went back to my younger self and was like there are space knights and you got the magic pet my younger self would be like god. Yeah. You're never going to get a girlfriend like that. <laughs> yeah, there's just no story of Destiny other than this like nerd trope. There is it's no there is so, so much story. Nerdy. There is it's so just much a story of vague nerdy nerdiness. No. No. <laughs> there's so much story that it's a problem is the thing like oh well, it's, i guess if you count like the words they say sure no no but like I'm, not not in destiny there's no story in the game it's all okay. in like offline lore that they i see what you're saying that yes, they are putting yes. like it's all officially part of the game but it's not in the game because they're bad at designing video games i was reading you probably know this story where at the uh it's it's getting ready to launch, and they just sort of showed uh, a supercut of all the cinematics in the game. And I guess the higher ups were like, "Dude, this sucks." Rewrite I love the that whole story fucking so game. Yeah, and then <laughs> they did, and that's why just 
nothing means anything and no, nobody does anything of interest. Right. At the last minute, they rewrote the whole thing, but without trying to, with only the assets that they already had, because they didn't have the assets right. to make the new thing, which is why Destiny is such a wreck. But there's this hyper dorky, which I frankly, I love story like hidden in the lore. That's all on these cards in the original Destiny. It was only these cards that you would do something in the game. Uh, mm -hmm. an achievement or whatever and it would unlock the card so that you could go to a website and read the story <laughs> on the website but it wasn't in the game because the story in the game is just bullshit and I, I was so obsessed with this as like a storytelling method like look you have accidentally made this this like real life video game ARPG Twin Peaks fucking thing like you accidentally <laughs> made something that's kind of art <laughs> by right. just by just fucking up so hard I love that story I, I loved that Peter Dinklage was in the, he's very famously did like that, that creature called, that wizard comes from the moon. Like his voiceover was so bad, they actually replaced him, which is kind of unprecedented in yeah, like to replace modern him. art. To replace him while his star was exploding. Like while yes. he's on Cave of Thrones, well, they were like, you're the hottest guy in the world. You're cut. Yeah, you lazy asshole. There's like a, there's this line that used to crack me up so much. Obviously the wizard from the moon was great. Yeah, I think was the they, they cut that from the game, but. It was this like thing where uh, it's those those robots that can turn invisible, and he's like, "Oh, and they can disappear." Great! <laughs> it's like he he I, maybe the script said sarcastic in brackets, but he like just had no fucking interest in delivering it. Well, the anyway, story I, I heard it. about that was that there it wasn't really from the script because they they got him in, in their sort of post having to dissect the whole thing after that trailer. So they gave okay. him a script with like no context. It would just be that wizard came from the moon, like as a single line right. on a page. And that's what he came in to do today. And, and he's, he's like, like I, I'll do one reading and then I'm fucking out of here. <laughs> okay. That wizard came from the moon. What do I, what, why do I deliver that? There was no wedding. <laughs> yep. Oh, it's uh, such a hilarious game. It's funny. It's funny you picked Skyrim as something that your dad was interested in because I remember when that game came out, I love uh, Elder Scrolls and I, uh, Marked off my calendar for three days. I'm like, I'm not working. I'm just playing Skyrim all fucking day. And so that was my plan. I executed perfectly. But my buddy had his mom in from out of town. And she woke up about six hours before him. And I don't think he had any plans for her during the day. So she woke up. She said, oh, hi, Sean. Sits next to me on the couch. Watched me play Skyrim for six hours. Her son gets up, does his morning <laughs> thing. She watched me play Skyrim for four more hours. <laughs> the fucking whole day goes by. She just sits there watching me play Skyrim, having the time of her life helping me out laughing when i do silly shit i was i snuck into a town and took all the clothes off every single townsperson she's like this is great this is a great game i love this game uh you see anyway. what i mean the best game to Parents trick old people skyrim. into playing video games yeah. is skyrim <laughs> that, that's two stories which is 100 percent evidence that's how numbers work yeah we've decided that's how numbers that. work two for two pre-internet that's how numbers worked uh so for my game i picked uh the best game no one will ever remake on the best system no one's ever heard of. Uh, 1999 Card Fighters Clash on the Neo Geo Pocket Color. And, uh, <laughs> love it. Love it. It's the best game. Wait, wait. Uh, the, and the, again, wait, the Neo Geo Pocket? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's a. am sure people have heard of it. But it was... Well, these uh, people haven't. Well, it's great. It was a weird little rectangle. It had an interesting little uh, click stick. So it was like a joystick, but it kind of had a satisfying little click. Um, so it was a great, like chunky Game Boy style system. Uh, so and it was the games a portable Neo Geo. Good. Did it cost like $7,000? It was, no, it was not that type of Neo Geo. It was, it was like 200 bucks, 300 bucks um, hmm. with normal, say, normal cost cartridges. Uh, it had a Street Fighter game 
uh, that was Street Fighter versus SNK, which is not my favorite property, but some people like it. And it was sort of like an 8-bit, it was a robust RPG element, uh, 2D fighting game in 8-bit style graphics. And I was like, this is fucking amazing. But the best game was uh, Card Fighters Clash. And it was um, a real simple design with a lot of collectible elements, a whole RPG on top of it. So you're walking around this world playing people in this card game that you're playing. Uh, it's so good and so fast and so simple, but uh, like all good card games, um, you know, it gets very complicated. And I think why it couldn't get remade, first of all, they tried. Uh, and not only was there a lot of bugs in the game, it was fucking joyless. It was a terrible game. But also... Uh, the simplicity of the game system is something I don't think any game designer would ever do again. Like, uh, like if you play recent Magic the Gathering or, uh, we played Soulforge for a while or, uh, Hearthstone, like the game system expands exponentially with every single update. And Cardfighters Clash was like, eh, they can do like three or four things, but the randomness of the card drawing and all that, it's, it's enough. Uh, my point is, it's such a, uh, moment in time thing that was fantastic that that I love. I have a little story about that game. Oh yeah, um, we were super addicted to it, and we were playing all the time. And you could uh, do a physical cable link right. between two Neo Geo pockets to play multiplayer. But the game, you're right, it, it wasn't super well designed. Like I don't think anyone would want to play it today. But it just wasn't bad. It was like terrible first player advantage. Like one player would be randomly Absolutely. chosen to go first, and they had the upper hand always. So one time, our friend Shane Bettenhausen, notorious tabletop games cheater, <laughs> um, we sat down and played. He, he's just like kind of guy who looks for any advantage he can right. get. We connected. Uh, we we're about to play. I saw that I got first player draw, and then some, we were at work, and then someone asked me something and distracted me momentarily. And then like, okay, back to the game. I looked down, and there was a, a connection error, <laughs> like the. And then I looked at him. I'm like, you fucking unplugged that video. <laughs> I like it. It's so safe to accuse Shane of some shit like that. All Anyone record, else would be man. like, dude, dude, I hate to accuse you of something like this. But did you, did you, did you do this thing? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that's, that's official. Funny. But that was the only way to get a couple of cards was to have uh, a transfer cable and someone else with that game and a Neo Geo Pocket Color. An, an impossible task at the time. Right, like so I've never even heard of that. Finding another another person with that, yeah. and then linking up with them. Imagine explaining this to like the kids in <laughs> in five, ten years. Maybe, shit, maybe even today. Like, you used to have to just find another guy that had that. Like yeah. out in the world, you had to walk outside and be like, "Hey, does anybody does anybody like the Neo Geo <laughs> color?" People would be like, "Shut the fuck up." That's a I have a that's a thing about our like working at a game magazine right, right. you were the only people media. that like, ever played that multiplayer we're kind of spoiled right? like sean baby knows this like we we used to play like 16 player lan xbox one uh halo yeah. and it's like no one has that kind of stuff you need four tvs four xboxes yeah, that all mode was for you that mode was for like game journalists <laughs> they should have just game journalists only i had i was dating a girl in uh, portland at the time and she worked at the uh, local wb station and they uh, had a wrestling ring in there because that's where they filmed Portland Wrestling. And they also had a, a media room with four TVs. And so we would bring in four Xboxes and we would play 16-man Halo and also have little pro wrestling breaks. And I got to think that's probably the greatest setup anyone's ever had for any fucking um, video games <laughs> yeah, have you, to this day. Have you day. ever beat that moment in your life? Never. That was it. That's the, the best moment of my life. Uh, <laughs> that. 
I had a story about Card Fighters Clash because I used to get so lost in that game that um, I was playing it. I was uh, in Cancun, Mexico, and um, you know I was covered in sunscreen, of course, but I'd like washed it off in a sink on my hands. So I was just playing Card Fighters Clash, and I played. I just lost track of time. Played in the sun must have been an hour, hour and a half, and my hands got so sunburned they were like fucking purple and swelled up. And uh, <laughs> that was it. Was like that the whole uh, rest of the trip. So we went and saw the beautiful. Uh, Chichen Itza ruins and I would have to like run between cover because if I was out in the sun like my hands felt like they were gonna fall off anyway that was uh what car fighters clash did to my hands and I still love it ruin ruined the vacation for you and you still love it cost you thousands of dollars just lost the use of my hands my, my dick still worked <laughs> Woo, Mexico Einstein Hunter Frankfurt Einstein Hunter This Dogs09000 was brought to you by Benjamin Siranen, Dr. Awkward, Yosarian, Josh S., Zachary Evans, Adrian Hisbrook, Aiden Moad, Brianne Whitney, Josh Fabian, Armando Nava, Lyman, Toastigal, Neil Schaefer, Jaber Al Aiden, David Forna, Mike Stiles, Eric Spaulding, the artist formerly known as Devin, Hawk, Neil Bailey, Micah Phillips, Polly Poisuo, John McCammon, Nick H, Matt Riley, Rhea, Rich Joslin, Ken Paisley, Timmy Lake, Dean Costello, Three Finger Louie, Nick Ralston, Zadarfan, Jamie Gordon, John, Jeremy Neal, Michael Rader, Alpha Scientist Javo, and children love the meat millie.